0: welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Lord, I, I just thank you for that last song. Uh, I, I thank you for everything that it just calmed and, and focused and, and told us. We change by your presence. And Lord, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the change that you bring about in us and in the fruit of the spirit and lord i have been so rocked by this that i just need your spirit to be in me lord, my my brothers and sisters don't want to hear my words and and my fear is always that when you do a work in me that i'll talk about that work instead of your work and and lord i just pray that you filter Lord, that, that my brothers and sisters here would be blessed, that they would be encouraged, Lord, that they would be exhorted, Lord, that they would be convicted, Lord, that, that the Spirit would be changing us today as He is every day, but that, that we would be on that train. Lord, I pray that You would soften our hearts right now. Lord, I pray that You would focus us on You, focus us on, on the task at hand. Lord, give us purpose to, to pursue Your Spirit And his work in our life. So, Lord, we just lay this time before you and ask that you would bless it and use it um, in your sheep, your people, uh, your body that's gathered together here. We we lift this time up in your name. Amen. Uh, So, if you guys want to open to Galatians 5, uh, we're going to be in a couple of scriptures today. Uh, We're going to start in Galatians 5 and verse 16. So, I'll give you guys a a second to, to turn there. Um, we're going to be in Second uh, Peter as well. All right, let me, uh, let me read this. It says, starting in verse 16, Galatians 5, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing things that you want to do. this is kind of the, the passage on fruit of the Spirit, and as we're doing our series on the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, Eric talked about the work of the Spirit and, and regeneration. Um, last week, Eric talked about the presence of the Spirit, and, and as we were, you know, singing that song, I was just thinking about, you know, the only thing that transforms us is the presence of the Spirit, and Eric talked about that last week. And this week, as as we look at the fruit of the Spirit, we kind of see, you know, Eric was talking about that it's it's kind of subjective, right? Like, when we look at the presence of the Spirit, there's a subjectivity to it because there's something going on inside of us. This week, we're looking at some of the objective things that God does with the presence. Like, not just what he's doing, but how he does it. So the fruit of the Spirit is what he's trying to, to accomplish, we're going to talk about the how he accomplishes that. And then last week, Eric kind of set forth that the presence of the Spirit and the subjective part of that, that he's with us and, and all of that. Um, so as we start, we're going, to, we're going to read another passage now because I think when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, one of the most important things in my mind is to think about what is the purpose of the fruit of the Spirit? Why, like, why are we told about this? You know, what, what do we do with it? Because a list of fruit is great, a list of characteristics that the Spirit is bringing out, but outside of just being knowledgeable about, about that. How does it fit into the whole? And Luke chapter 6 helps us with this. So if we turn to Luke chapter 6 in verse 43, there's a a whole, you know, uh, uh, list of of parables and teachings and and just snippets that that Christ was giving to the disciples. And uh, in, in verse 43, he says, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So today as we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, what we're really talking about um, I, I kind of have a, a working definition: is the, the fruit of the spirit is the evidence of the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? So, so the fruit of the spirit is the evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence and work in our lives. And and if we we think of that, um, we can we can start to say, okay, this is good because you know one one thing of coming to a a subjective place where we're talking about the Holy Spirit and we're talking about feeling the presence and, and we don't trust our emotions all the time and, and we've got to navigate through these things. It's, it's nice to have like a lighthouse and some anchors to give us our bearing, right? Because we don't want to trust only our own, own emotions. We don't want to throw our own emotions and experience out either. But it's, it's good to have these things that give us a bearing, like a lighthouse in, in the sea. And if we look at the Holy Spirit, um, when Eric talked about the process of regeneration. The Holy Spirit's work is to transform us, right? Uh, re- it starts with regeneration and kind of goes through this stuff. So how many of you guys are saved? Okay, so most of you guys, I would assume. It's okay if you're, if you're not claiming that, if you're interested in just kind of hearing stuff, that's okay. Saved is a term that we use a lot. And what does it mean to be saved is, is a complicated question, right? Because at the heart, it means that we've been saved from God's wrath, like, that's what it really means. We've been saved by, from the punishment of our sin. And, and when we talk about God's wrath, it makes us uncomfortable. Because it makes God sound like a judgmental, violent God. But that's not true. We've been talking about Nora for the last couple of weeks, and, and even the last couple of months, and what's been done to her in Cambodia, in, in one of the ministries that we serve. You know, for, for those of you guys that may have heard, her hand was cut off, she was assaulted, she was kidnapped... Uh, She's been sexually assaulted for years. She had battery acid thrown all over her face. She was left to die. She survived. We've brought her into the house. She's healing. Um, She actually accepted Christ last week, and and we've just seen great transformation happening in her. Um, If that man was in this room, I think it would be good to ask the women to leave so that the wrath could be poured out on him and nobody should have an issue with that, right? Because that's justice. Like, that was an evil thing that was done. So when we say we're saved, like, we are saved from the wrath of God, and the wrath of God is justice because we've done evil things. Like, that's what saved is. But that's not the whole picture. So I have a chart that I put together just to kind of get us all on the same page and help. So I, I, I want to preface for you know, uh, anybody who is really deep into this, that this is not my theological statement on transformation. This is just a chart to get us all in the same place. Um, So, you know, it just kind of helps thinking through some of these. Uh, kind of stages in what the Bible talks about. So we, we see over here on the left side that we were dead in sin, we were slaves to our desires, we were in rebellion against God. These are all biblical concepts of where we were at before our life in Christ. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to pull us from that and to transform us into something else. So what happened? The, the power of grace, right? There is the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. We could even add that the incarnation uh, was even the first part of that, right? The incarnation, that, Christ, that Jesus became a man. He lived a perfect life. He sacrificed that life, and then he was resurrected from that. And that's the power of grace. In Ephesians, it talks about that we're saved by grace through faith, and this not of your own. So this is the grace that we're saved by, or, or the power behind the grace that we're saved by, because forgiveness is not free, Right? Somebody breaks your window in your car, if you forgive them, you still have a broken window, and you have to pay for that window, right? Forgiveness is wonderful, and that's what Jesus has done. He's going and fixing all the windows in a very simple way of saying it, but he is taking that responsibility. He's paying for that to be fixed. So <clears throat> with the power of that grace, then this mysterious, amazing thing happens, God comes to us when we were still in rebellion, and he calls us to himself, and he gives us a new heart, and he gives us this faith, and, and he, tra- he starts to transform us, and this Holy Spirit indwells us. And we can see along the bottom here, right? We have uh, the, the time frame that we're living in the flesh, right? We're living with the flesh, rather. And then we have the Holy Spirit is in us, and, and something happens in this space between the power of grace and, and the resurrection and the moment that we are justified where the Holy Spirit indwells us. And, and all of these things happen. And there's some mystery to that because I, I, was, I was telling Darnell we were talking before the service, it's not like the Holy Spirit indwells us and you grow the Jesus hair. You know, like all of a sudden like, oh, the Holy Spirit just got in that one. We saw his hair grow. Like there's no physical showing of that. Like there is some subjectivity to it, right? So How do we know what really happened? And and that's where this fruit of the Spirit comes in. So once we are justified, once we are made just like Christ, in in that that we have taken our sin and he has taken that to to the cross with him, that sin has been paid for, and then we get his righteousness. So we've made just like Christ in that way. And and in that moment, that's how we're seen. So in, in a way, God looks at us as a completed work at this moment even though there is still work to be done as we are living on this planet in in this lifetime, right? So what happens after we're justified? Now comes the cycle of sanctification, and we can see this, right? So the first thing that the Holy Spirit does is he starts to reveal sin, right? We have sin in our heart that needs to be revealed, and and when we see that, oh, I, I never saw that before, that's called conviction, And then that conviction leads to repentance. And repentance isn't just, I'm sorry. Repentance is this. I was doing this and moving this way. I need to turn around and go this way. Like, that's repentance, right? Repentance isn't, I'm sorry, I keep doing this. I don't, you know, I just, it's, no. Repentance is turning from something, not just asking forgiveness. So, So there's conviction, repentance, and then that turning away leads to heart change. Right? And then what happens is we have trials and temptations. And those trials and temptations reveal more sin. And then that sin needs to be confessed. And, and, and we have repentance and we have heart change. And it's this cycle that goes on. After, or as we go through that cycle, what it does is it produces the fruit of the Spirit. And that fruit of the Spirit is what enables us to do the good works that Ephesians talks about that we're saved by grace through faith, this not of your own, and and the purpose of that is that we would be able to do the good works that uh, that He has placed before us to walk in. Right there's all this language about walking with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, being in step with the Spirit. We see in Galatians. These are these are all kind of talked about in, in slightly different ways and different passages, but this is kind of the, the what happens, right? And, and we, do the fruit, we have the fruit of the Spirit in our life, we get transformed, we do good works, and then we have a physical death. And then we're glorified, right? God gives us a new body and, and we go through that, that last step. And, and now we're no longer burdened with the flesh. We have a new body. We have a physical death and a physical resurrection. And there's a, a glorified and, and renewed earth that we get to come in fellowship with Christ in. So, um, so I, I wanted to kind of put this up so that we understand where fruit of the Spirit fits in the whole picture. Because it's really important. Because if, if we think of fruit of the Spirit <coughs> simply as something that the Lord does to us, then we don't really understand how it fits in the whole process and we're waiting for him to do something rather than being a part of it. Okay, so, so there's some, some mystery to it. Um, all right, let's jump back in uh, to, to the Galatians passage and start focusing on that again. If we look at this chart, you know, the Galatians passage is, is really primarily talking about the fruit of the Spirit and, and what's there. It, it hits a little bit on the cycle of sanctification and that the works of the flesh are what's being revealed right? It, it's the sin that's being revealed is often the attachments to the work of the flesh that we have. But if we, if we look at this chart and we think how much of that is visible, you know, dead to sin, slaves to our desire, rebelling against God, we don't like see those things. We see the result of those things. We see the fruit of those things. So the fruit of the Spirit is to help us to see the evidence of God's work in our lives. Uh, let's look at the specific Things listed. So, starting with love, and and as we do this, as we jump into the fruit of the Spirit, as, as we start looking at this list, what I hope, what I desire is that we would be introspective, right? Because the fruit of the Spirit is here to give us a lighthouse, and we are in the waves being tossed. and and we need a direction to go towards. And if we are floating through our Christian walk, we're not going anywhere. And and the fruit of the Spirit is giving us a list of things to say, do a heart check, right? This is a a work of the Spirit in your life, but it's also a guide for us to look to and and do some self-assessment. So starting with love. So the, the Greek word here is agape. How many of you guys are familiar that there is more than one word in the Greek that's translated to love? Anybody know any of the other ones? Phileo, that's kind of the the next big one. Eros, Eros, right? So phileo is like a brotherly love. Eros is a romantic love. Uh, There's, if I remember correctly, there's seven of them. But this is agape. And agape um, sometimes is translated or, or talked about as a charitable love. But what it really means is a sacrificial love. Agape is the love that Jesus has for you. It's, it's the com- most complete like, representation of what we would think of as love. It's, it's selfless. So <clears throat> if you think about your life and the love that you have, think about like, where you are sacrificing for love, and, and you're not getting anything in return. You know, I think one of the greatest places that we would see growth in the Spirit in this place is loving our enemies, Right? Like, this is like if there's a place that you can say, Jesus has done a work in my life, think about someone who has done wrong to you and how you feel about them. Because that is a transformative uh, heart change in order to say that I love that person and, and I want the best for that person. I, I can really say, I mean, you know, Nora, the, the gal in Cambodia, we pray that this guy would get saved. Because, I mean, how awesome of a testimony would it be to Christ if this guy gets saved, repents, takes the judgment for him, and says, I didn't know what I was doing, and really shows the fruit of Christ. And the two of them could reconcile. I mean, that is crazy to think about, right? I mean, I've seen things like that happen with people. So it's not outside of the realm of things. And and to have love for someone. Now, we can still desire justice and love and and we don't have to put ourselves in dangerous situations and things like that. But having real love, not hatred, towards people who have wronged us is a is a sign of the work of the Spirit developing fruit in your life. Uh, The next one is joy. And joy means like exceeding happiness, but it it's it's deeper than that. And when I when I think about my own life, when when I think about what God has done with me uh, to bring more joy into my life, because I'm, I, you guys might be surprised, but I'm a fairly stoic person in the past. I'm looking at my wife to see if I'm telling the truth or not. Um, and I feel like I still am. Like, I'm, I'm pretty controlled, and, you know, I have strong emotion, but I'm, I'm not like, you know, let's be happy and dance and do fun things. Like, I'm like, let's sit down and talk through this and feel things. Um, so, when I think of joy in my own life and, and where God has has matured me, it's worship. Like when I sit and, and worship with you guys and I really feel like I don't care who hears me. I don't care if I sing the wrong words. I just, I want the Lord to be glorified through this. I want to absorb what we are doing in community to the Father and just be present in the moment. You know, and 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 there's a, an increasing of joy in my life because of that and, and seen through that time of worship. So, this, so that's kind of one place that I've seen. You know, joy through suffering, joy through tragedy. There's a lot of great resources on this to, uh, to talk about, you know, if you're in a difficult time, like having joy through trial. And, and it's possible, and it doesn't mean that we're all happy and phony. It means there's a deeper thing that is giving us uh, giving us that, that rock to get through those moments and and that kind of leads into peace right? because peace is talking about contentment uh, now strong's one of the great things to do with a, a study like this uh, if there's this list of words remember these words have been translated from the greek so if you go to like blue letter bible is the one that i use but strong's has a, a book if you're old-fashioned and and you want to flip through the pages and and feel the texture you can look these words up in the Greek to kind of really jump into them. And, and you can see how that can help your study um, as we talk about another passage in Second Peter a little bit later. But when the, the Greek word here for peace, you know, contentment, Strong's makes a note of this, that the peace is a peace of Christianity. There's the tranquility, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and contentment with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is. So, the peace that this is talking about specifically is that we have a peace with our situation, right? We're we're at peace with, you know, I mean, like Jesus went to the cross. He, he sought that peace, right? I mean, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's crying uh, tears of blood or, or, or sweating tears of blood or, or blood drops, and he's pursuing that peace. He's He's he knows he's going to do something very difficult, but there's that peace in that I'm in the Father's will no matter what my lot is. And and if if there's not evidence of that, it's when he goes out. I mean, if this isn't evidence of that. If he goes out and Peter's chopping a guy's ear off and they're saying, no, we're going to take it. So then he puts the ear back on. Like Jesus is at peace with his lot, with his earthly lot. And and we want to pursue um, and, and grow in that peace. And uh, patience is the next one. Uh, A slowness to avenging wrongs. That was a a note in the Strong's concordance that I thought really captured what patience is, right? A slowness to avenge wrongs. Like if we, if, if somebody does something that surprises us, doesn't meet an expectation, this is something that is so important in relationships. You know, we interpret wrongs very lightly often, like some light little thing can be a wrong that's done to us. And we get really puffed up about it often. So, so this patience would be, okay, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to hold back my, my emotion into this. I'm, I'm going to wait and try to gather the information. There's also a, an aspect of steadfastness and perseverance to it, right, that, that we can withstand trial. Uh, kindness. Um, this, is ju- like in, this is more like an integrity that you have towards others, right? That you don't, you know, when, when we're being kind to someone, that we're not being kind to someone to get something in return. That there's kindness, and we're consistent with that kindness. Um, goodness, on the other hand, is more of an inward moral compass, that, that we are good. You know, when Jesus says, um, you know, only God is good, it's that kind of goodness that we're talking about that that we have a goodness in us that a goodness is being made that our heart is being made more pure faithfulness character of one um, sorry just Zoomed in. Okay, faithfulness. So, character of one who can be relied on, uh, but also represents having convictions and following them. So, are you faithful? Do you show up on time? Do you, you know, do you keep your appointments? Like that's part of faithfulness, right? That, that you can be depended on. But it's also deeper than that. It's not just about you know uh, keeping a, a clock. It's about if if I'm in a real jam, are you there to help? Like, are you a faithful person? Do you keep your promises? Uh, but there's also just the, the, the inward convictions of, you know, are we faithful to our own conscience or are we tossed to and fro like a, a boat with no, uh, with no sail, no rudder? Uh, gentleness. I, I, when I think of gentleness, the first thing that came to my mind was Jesus having the little children come to him, right? Like here is the Lion of Judah, here is the creator of the universe, but he can be trusted with children and, and the children love him. And he's gentle with them. I also thought about the, uh, the, uh, the woman who, who grabbed his robe, right, and, and was cleansed. And, and she just kind of did it without asking him doing this, and, and he was gentle with her. I think about the woman at the well, right? And, and she, you know, he, he points her sin out in such a gentle way. He says, you know, you, you aren't, um, not, not only are you married, but like you've been married multiple times, and you've had all of these husbands, you know, like this whole thing. Like he, he just revealed her life to her but he did it in this gentle way. So that gentleness, that, that we're moved with concern for others, that we're, we're comforting and empathetic. And the last one being self-control, right? Uh, Strong's notes that this, the self-control is a virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual passions or his, his fleshly passions. So do we have self-control? Are we living by a compass and staying to that? Even when our flesh is saying, Nah, I'd rather do that right now. I, I want that thing. Are our, our desires controlling us? And and this list of the fruit of spirits, like, it's, you know, that's a ton of information and kind of going through, and you guys need to take this and chew on it, right? Like, this, this isn't like a, you know, five, ten minute thing that we just kind of get to go through and then suddenly, oh, well, I know the fruit of the spirit. Check that passage off. This is something that we should meditate on and think through and and be looking for in our life and be praying that the Spirit would reveal these things to us. And and you know, the, the fruit of the Spirit is a work of the Spirit in our life. So so this Holy Spirit is the one that's cultivating this fruit, right? The fruit is the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of us. Okay, so this is an important thing to think about. But the fruit of the Spirit is similar uh, to the, the, the gifts of the Spirit. And, and we're going to talk about, in, in just a moment, about how just like the gifts of the Spirit that are given to us and they are empowered by the Spirit, we're also told to pursue them. Okay, so there, there's, there's a, a duality to this or, or two sides to this. There's our part and, and the Spirit's part. But before we do that, I want to talk about what the works of the flesh are. Because in contrast to the fruits of the Spirit, we have the works of the flesh. And I think that both of them are listed here because sometimes we are more able to see a work of the flesh in our life than we are a work of the Spirit. And in contrast, sometimes we're able to see the other. So these these are are kind of two sides of the same coin. So rather uh, than looking at provoking love in you the spirit of the flesh is working towards just as it says in the beginning of that passage right they're at war with one another they're battling with one another trying to keep us from accomplishing the things that we want to do and that's a really important verse because it's trying to keep us from accomplishing the things that we want to do what we want to do is follow the spirit Right? So, don't, don't feel defeated. Don't feel like, oh, like there's these things inside of me. Just like Eric talked about last week, we have these, these things, and, and it's subjective and it's, it's mysterious, but there are things that we think that are not from us. Amen? I Maybe mean, you ever been driving on the side of a road and there's a cliff there and you had this thought of, like, I wonder, that's insane, right? Like it's insane, but there's these fleeting things. Anybody had a baby? I'll confess this right now. When Iris was little, hopefully she never listens to this, middle of the night, I'm exhausted and I'm I'm walking and she won't stop crying and there's a window next to me and just for this moment, (laughs) and I said, Lord, what was that? That was my immediate response. There are things inside of us that are not good. So The work of the flesh is opposed to the spirit. And so rather than encouraging love, what does the flesh want us to do? It wants us to be jealous and envious, right? Because sacrificial love, especially agape love, the opposite of that, the opposite of sacrificial would be selfish. And there's nothing more selfish than jealousy and envy, right? So, so we see these things that are opposed to one another. If you feel like it's tough for me to live out sacrificial love, like it's tough for me to be charitable it's tough for me to, to give it's tough for me to have compassion, you probably struggle with jealousy and envy so these are these are the two sides of the same coin and, and that's why they're they're listed here so that if we if we identify one we can see the other other side that's pulling on it you know if, if you struggle with joy and some of these works of the flesh would would kind of fit with different ones like this isn't like a you know, exhaustive. Here's the the opposite list. This is just examples. You know, if we look at joy, um, if we're if joy is finding a, passion, or a, a happiness in Christ, sorcery, which is talking about addictions like pharmaceuticals and and things like that, sorcery is the opposite of that. Finding joy in the temporary pleasures, sexual immorality and orgies are are the opposite of that, finding joy and carousing and, and being loud and, and you know, the, that, that Greek word for orgies is not necessarily like, you know, some kind of massive sex party, it's really more like a going out, carousing, and, and being loud and drunken and, and, and doing that at places with groups, so it, it's, there's, there's a little bit of crossover, so it's more than just that sexual immorality aspect. The, the fruit of the Spirit is peace, and the flesh is going to try to work strife into your life, right? Contention and, and dissensions are going to be there instead of patience, right? You're not going to have patience with things. You're going to have these things that just eat at you, and, and it's going to cause dissensions in your relationships. Instead of kindness, we're going to be uh, given to divisions between people, and we're going to choose sides, and, and there's going to be us versus them, and there's going to be these rivalries, and this doesn't just happen with people outside of the church, right? This happens within the body, right? If we're not given over to the fruit of the Spirit, we have, you know, like the, the right section versus the left section, and, and, you know, they're brawling after church with their eyes, you know, things like that, um, or with their mouths, which is even worse, they start, you know, talking. Uh, rather than goodness, we're going to be given over to idolatry. Rather than faithfulness, we're going to have impurity. And gentleness, we're going to have fits of anger. Rather than self-control, we're going to be given over to drunkenness and sensuality. If our life was a house and the Spirit moves into that house, when he comes in, we become aware that the passions and desires that come from our flesh need to change. Our sin is revealed in us, and we need to repent of that. We need to put to death the desires of the flesh, place them on the cross with Christ, and change course, that that. That way of repenting, is, it's not just saying you're sorry and going in the same way, repenting is looking, my, my wife likes to say this all the time, is uh, when, when we repent, God calls us not to just put something off, but to put something else on. So this passage, as we look at it, and it's showing the works of the flesh, and it's showing the fruit of the Spirit, it's showing you what to take off, what to put on. What to put off, what to put on. All right. <clears throat> Uh, the cycle of sanctification is super important because, like, we have to know this. We have to embrace it. We can't be discouraged by it. And and I know that sanctification can be dis- discouraging, right? Uh, T- Darnell, bring that chart up again. So when we look at, I mean, it's circular, right? So, like, how how annoying would it be to just be doing this your whole life, and you're like, I've been here, and I've been here and I've been here. But the, the reality is, is that sanctification isn't trying to make you dizzy. Sanctica- sanctification is getting you somewhere. So I, I hope that you guys talk, or heard us talk about this before, but sanctification, this, this process is like a drill. So as we're going in circles, it's like a drill bit. And a drill bit has a circular motion to it. And it's drilling down into the wood. So as it moves in a circle, the drill bit is drawing the drill closer to the wood. So as as it goes in, if we are the drill and the Holy Spirit is that drill bit and Jesus is the wood, as that circular motion goes in, the drill and the wood become closer and closer to one another. Right? So we should be excited about this. When sin is revealed, there should be like, oh, I can change. I can be more like Christ. The evidence that the fruit of the Spirit reveals, the evidence that sanctification reveals is that there was a genuine heart change that started when the Spirit indwelled you. Because there's there's different responses that we could kind of go with. As, As we look at a passage like this and we think about, you know, man, like there's this morality that I have to live up to, or, you know, David, you're, you're talking about all these things and I'm feeling conviction uh, or I'm feeling condemned. Like I want to bring that chart up that Eric talked about last week, right? Because there's two things that can happen from the presence of the Spirit in your life. And conviction or condemnation. And if you're sitting here, my hope is that you feel conviction. I hope is that every single one of us in this room leaves today feeling convicted in a good way. Conviction is not a bad thing. Conviction is the instrument of change. So as we look at this, conviction is from God, just reminding, you know, condemnation is from Satan. Conviction leads to life. Condemnation leads to despair. If you're feeling despair, you're feeling condemnation, and you need to remind yourself that if we go to our next passage, and we go to 2 Peter, I want you guys to open up there, whenever I start feeling condemned, right? Like we, we, go, we go to Galatians to feel convicted and, and to, to remind ourselves of where we are and what we're doing. I go to 2 Peter when I start feeling condemned because part of the, the problem with condemnation is Satan is lying to you and telling you that you're alone and you have to do this by yourself, right? So if we look at 2 Peter, starting in chapter 1, or or in chapter 1, starting in verse 3, it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Read that again. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You have been given every single thing that you need for life and godliness. The only thing that gets in our way is what? Ourselves. Ourselves, our flesh, the desires and the passions of the flesh. We don't want to let them go. Right? That's, that's the whole process. Sanctification is day by day crucifying your flesh, just like Galatians says to do. Uh, through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. You have escaped and been saved, not just from the wrath of God, but right here, you've escaped from the corruption that justifies that wrath of God. Like you haven't just been pulled away, you, you're being transformed. And we have to remember that. Condemnation tells us we're not being transformed, that we're failing. Conviction says, David, I have something to do here. I need you to hold still. I need you to trust me. Right? That's what conviction says. Like, I still need to hold still. I need to trust. I need to move in the way that the Spirit is stirring. But it's a work of the Spirit. Uh, Continuing in verse 5, it says, For this very reason... And if you're feeling ineffective, if you're feeling unfruitful, you're feeling like, I can't do this, here, I I love this pathway. I I, I think Galatians and 2 Peter, these two chapters, Galatians 5, 2 Peter 1, are are kind of go together in tandem. They're, They're our path and the Spirit's path. And one of the things that I've seen very often is that when we look at the the instruction of Peter to add to our faith, right? We've been given this faith. What's the first thing that Peter tells us to add to that? Virtue, right? Often, the first thing that we talk about, and it's not because it's a bad thing, but just the first thing we talk about is knowledge. You've come to faith. Now, we need to get you the Bible, right? And the Bible is full of good teaching but if all you have is the bible and you have no virtue there was no heart transformation all you have is knowledge you don't even get what you're reading you have false knowledge you you have academic study of a book like you may as well just know the marvel universe does that make sense or like there's people go out and they spout the marvel universe and they'll talk about this thing and that thing and and they know it through and through You can be that familiar with the Bible and be dead. Virtue is important because if we have faith in Christ and the work that he's done, our heart needs to be transformed. Our heart needs to be given over to him. We have to submit to him. We need to be virtuous people or seek virtuous uh, action in order to use our knowledge in a virtuous way, right? So, So in no way, I just want to be clear, in no way, Am I saying that the power of the word of God is diminished? Because Peter doesn't stop at virtue. But if we say, oh, I have faith, and now I'm, I'm just going to go study the Bible, and you just lock yourself in a tower, like you didn't get it. Right? I mean, there's, there's people who misuse Scripture all over the place. So knowledge is not the key it's just part of the whole thing that God is doing in our life. The other thing in this passage in, in, in 2 Peter that is interesting to me is there are two things, two exact words, exact phrases that show up in both passages. So the fruit of the Spirit, the thing that the Spirit is bringing about in our life um, when we look at uh, love and we look at uh, self-control. So agape and eg- egretia. <laughs> egretia. I didn't say that one with confidence, so you all know I said it wrong. Uh, this love and self-control, these show up in both passages. So in, in the one, we see the Spirit bringing them, and in this one, Peter says, pursue them. So just, just like the gifts, right? Like the, the gifts of the Spirit, which Eric's going to be talking about in a couple of weeks, they're given to us for the, the edification of the body, for bringing people together, for bringing God glory, um, and, and they're, they're His power through us, but we're also called to seek the gifts, and, and to pursue the gifts. So the fruit of the Spirit is, is a very similar kind of thing. Uh, I, I, I want to, like I'm, I'm really at a, an awkward point, guys, because there are things as an elder in the church that I feel responsible for. And, and the thing that is, I feel most responsible for is that you guys would know the love of God. Like, I, I really feel you need to know the love of God. But to know the love of God, you need to know the truth of God also. We can't just create the grandpa who gives you candies as our picture of God. And our society does not pursue virtue well. And, and I think that one of the things that I want to ask you guys is, how are you pursuing virtue? How are you seeking to add virtue to your faith? because virtue is moral excellence and it's a desire to be pure and undefiled and good in the way that God is good. Now, legalism is when we use our pursuit of virtue to make us the standard for other people to follow and we demand that they follow it. Legalism is when we try to weaponize our virtue and therefore corrupt our virtue entirely. Okay, so we're not talking about legalism. We're talking about virtue. And virtue is needed to be an example to the world so that we live for, uh, an example to the world that we live for a purpose outside of our own desires, that we're different than the rest of the world. And one of the things that is troubling to me in in the past in my own life and, and just as I look out is where we find our refreshment and what we identify ourselves with. And I have a series of questions here that I want you guys to think through um, and and just talk, talk about with the Lord and to know that this is not condemnation. This is seriously just concern, not just for our souls and our growth in the Spirit, but also for our light to the world. Because it's not just about whether we're okay with things, it's about what the world is seeing. Okay, so now that you guys are totally <laughs> going, where is he going? Um, so this is a statement. If we are more refreshed and engaged by the series finale of Game of Thrones, a sporting event, or, or any other entertainment thing this week, than we were to get here today and be with our brothers and sisters and encourage one another, we ha- like I-, I don't know where our virtue is. How are we any different than the third of the United States population that's going to miss work tomorrow because the Game of Thrones finale is on, which is softcore pornography. They hire porn actors. They're not, they don't even call porn actors actors because they're not acting. If we are more driven to get a new device, or a decoration, or a toy than to help others in need? Like where is our virtue? How are we any different than the next person? And if arguing about politics or philosophy or even theology is our first response, rather than trying to understand the person who's on the opposite side of our conversation and where they're coming from and what hurts there are, and to to help find truth, like where is our virtue? If, if these are the things that are consuming our, our desires and our passions and our focus, what sets us apart from this world, right? And, and, and again, I mean, I, I say this because it is really not looked at in a positive way in our society to call out somebody else and say, you should consider this. But you guys, like we're not made for the United States of America, We're not made for menifee. Like, we're made for the kingdom of God. And if we are allowing Satan to make us ineffective and unfruitful, that's about more than you. Like, if if even an inkling of this is sinking in, I want you to know this is what I'm trying to protect us from. If we look at Matthew 7... I mean, great fear is that one of you, one of my family, one of my family in Christ would would show up and that Jesus would look at them in Matthew 7 and 21 and it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The fruit of the Spirit is the evidence of what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. And if we lack the fruit of the Spirit, even though we can have assurance that when God calls you and he saves you and he does this work, that it's his work to complete, even though we, we, we can have assurance in, in God's power, because those are invisible things, we, we, we don't necessarily have confidence all the time that that has happened if we don't have the fruit of the Spirit. So these are, these are two sides of the coin and, and we need to wrestle with it, guys. Like Peter says, we need, to, we need to make every effort to make our call and election sure. And if we're not doing that, we're being disobedient. And, and again, I, my fear, is I don't want anybody to show up like that. Right? I don't want anybody to have that surprise. So, there we go. Um, let me close with this little bit. So our salvation, Now, I I, I want to say one more thing. If you're here and you're feeling condemned, if you're here and you're feeling, you know, like beaten up, don't. This is not trying to beat you up because you don't have to do this on your own. And if you feel like, I don't see the fruit of the Spirit in my life, like, let's talk. If, if, you, if that concerns you, it is great evidence that there is a desire for the fruit of the Spirit in your life. So, so don't be discouraged. Like, we don't want to leave here condemned. Okay, now that was said one more time. Uh, our salvation, the new birth that we experience in Christ, is not just like learning a password to get into heaven. Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. Oh, that was password, door opens, right? That's not what happens. It's not wordplay or some learned behavior. It's a supernatural process driven by the Holy Spirit that's making us more like Jesus, and the fruit of the Spirit is the evidence to both ourselves and the world around us that he is at work. So, pursue the fruit of the Spirit because it will change you, and it will give you peace. Pursue the fruit of the Spirit because it will change you, and it will show others the love of God. And that is really what we need to do. Amen? All right, let me, let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your Spirit. Thank you that there are things that we don't understand. Lord, thank you for telling us clearly that you work in our life. Thank you for giving us the power within us that we have all things for life and godliness. Lord, I don't pretend to understand how the spiritual realm works in its entirety, but I do cling to the things that you've told. You've you've told me that there is a spirit that is is of you. You You've told me that there are spirits that are not of you that are fallen and and desire our destruction, desire to make us ineffective and unfruitful. Lord, you've told me that I have a flesh with desires and passions that are not healthy, that lead to death. Lord, you've told me that I have a spirit as well. Lord, in in 1 Corinthians, who knows a man's mind but the spirit of the man And, Lord, there is a battle going on within our lives that affects more than us. And, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now. I pray for myself right now. I pray that you would give us a spirit of healing. Lord, that you would give us a spirit of strength. Lord, that you would remind us that we are more than conquerors. Lord, that you would remind us that we have an identity in you. And Lord, for anyone here who questions that identity, anyone here who's listening to this and, and thinking, I don't have that peace. I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm being rocked. I, I, I'm not happy with this or just whatever that response is, Lord. I pray that you would open their mind and open their eyes now that they would see you clearly giving up everything and becoming a baby and humbling yourself. Lord, as, as we go to take communion and we remember that, that you lived a whole life as a man on this earth and, and you suffered the things that we suffer, that you don't come at us from a, an ivory throne, Lord, but you came amongst us, you were born in a manger, you were born into poverty, you lived a life of pain and suffering, you lived a life without things, and yet you had connection to the Father, and Lord, I just pray that we would, we, we, we would see that, Lord, those of us that believe it and have embraced it, Lord, and those of us that are, are feeling beaten up. Lord, that there is a God who's died on a cross, took pain and suffering, has the scars to prove it, reaching out and calling us to himself. Lord, I just pray that, that we would feel that and that we would be transformed by it and we would be changed by it that you would continue to sanctify us, that you would continue to call us, that you would continue to reveal our hearts to us. Lord, I love you. I love these people. I just pray that you would continue to change us day by day through this beautiful process that we get to walk with you and be led by you and To stay in step with you. As we we go to worship, just give us joy. Give us peace. Draw us together as a community to sharpen one another and to support one another. Or continue to do a work that we might be a light for those outside these walls. Amen. Amen. We're going to take communion uh, encourage you guys to, you know, spend some time just thinking about the cost of your forgiveness, thinking about the promise of the resurrection and having confidence that God is nurturing and cultivating the fruit of the Spirit in your life even today. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.